Hey everyone, welcome to this week's conversation with Dr. Stephen Ned about the body and how to fix, protect, or maintain it using outside-the-box alternative solutions. If you're a big fan of the pharmaceutical or surgical approach, you are so in the wrong place because on this podcast, we're not going to be pushing the conventional medicine methods or way of thinking about health. If you're looking for another way to live longer and healthier, join me, Ron Ned, and my brother, Dr. Stephen Ned, for this week's episode about chiropractic and pregnancy. Me? I'm a retired Twin Cities chiropractor currently helping people buy and sell homes in the Tampa Bay and Los Angeles areas. My brother has a thriving chiropractic practice in the Clearwater area of Tampa Bay, Florida. In this podcast, we're going to chat about all sorts of topics related to health, nutrition, exercise, just about everything having to do with the body. You're invited to listen in to our body chat, but don't forget that neither of us is giving you health advice, so don't rush off to do something without either checking with your doctor first or seeing Dr. Steven Nett as a patient at his office. Good day, Steve. Good afternoon, brother. We're doing this in the daytime because I'm going to be traveling out there and we need to get this done earlier than usual. So let's Plus talk. the Browns are playing tonight. Are they? Normal time. So we wouldn't have been able to do it either way. No way. All right. Well, this worked out really well then. And today we're not going to talk about football or anything having to do with sports. We're going to be talking about pregnancy and chiropractic and how the two of them relate. And let's start off with what happens during pregnancy that makes a woman more likely to need chiropractic adjustments during the period of pregnancy. All right. Well, you know, there's a lot of physical changes that happen to a woman's body starting in the second trimester of pregnancy. Uh, As the uterus grows to accommodate the fetus, the curve of the lower back, also known as the lumbar spine, will increase to account for the stomach protruding much further forward. Uh, The pelvis will also start to shift position, and this is largely due to the body releasing a hormone called relaxin, which relaxes and softens the normally tough pelvic ligaments in preparation for the eventual delivery. Uh, This hormone also softens and widens the cervix for delivery. Uh, Now, to counterbalance for the abdomen protruding forward, pregnant women tend to lean backward as they stand or walk, and this ends up putting pressure on the lower back and pelvis, including the central pelvic joints called the SI or sacroiliac joints. This can be very painful. Uh, These various shifts in the normal position of the back can obviously affect posture, and may lead to sciatica and water retention in the knees, ankles, and feet. So because of the stress put on the spine and pelvis, along with the supporting soft tissues, including the the muscles, ligaments, fascia, and discs, misalignments of these joints are common, and chiropractic adjustments are very effective at realigning them and helping women get through their pregnancies with less discomfort and a better chance of having a smooth delivery. Yeah, because before we had talked about nutrition in pregnancy, which is very important because there's a lot of hormonal changes that go on and physical changes that require different nutritional needs. But there's also the physical and mechanical aspect, which means that chiropractic adjustments are very helpful and in some cases necessary. So that's really helpful to women. And like you said, it starts in the second trimester, but in the third trimester, You've got a woman who's got a very large abdomen. Well, I shouldn't say abdomen, but it's protruding in front where the baby is. 
And so being able to lay face down on a table is a lot harder than it was during the second trimester. So how is it possible to do adjustments when a woman gets to that point in the pregnancy? There are many ways to gently and safely deliver chiropractic adjustments depending on which technique is used. Uh, Manual adjustments are actually very easy to do, even for the back and pelvis, which are typically done with the patient lying on her side on the table. Uh, Mid-back adjustments are done with the hug approach, uh, going from seated to lying down. And of course, neck adjustments are done as usual, lying face up. Uh, Doing activator methods technique on a pregnant woman in the third trimester can be a little challenging for obvious reasons. Uh, because the standard approach is to lie face down on the adjusting table. So there are specialized pillows that can be used for this, but I instead choose to adjust with the activator adjusting instrument while the patient is either standing or sitting. And I use muscle testing to help determine where to adjust. All right. So there is ways to get that accomplished. Now, how do spinal and pelvic misalignments affect pregnancy and delivery? Well, you know, there are quite a few conditions and complications of pregnancy and delivery that are associated with spinal and pelvic misalignments. Okay. So let's start with the spine. Uh, The spine is divided into three sections. The top area is the cervical spine, which is basically the neck. The middle area is the thoracic spine, which makes up the middle and upper back. And the bottom area is called the lumbar spine, which is the area that gets stressed the most during pregnancy. And that's where we're going to start. Okay. Uh, the lumbar spine is composed of five different vertebrae. And the third and fourth, especially the third lumbar, are very instrumental during pregnancy. The nerves that exit the spine on both sides between the third and fourth lumbar vertebrae go to the reproductive organs, which in a woman include the ovaries and uterus, as well as the placenta during pregnancy. Now, there are significant hormonal changes in a woman's body during pregnancy and labor, uh, you know, to help prepare her for all the things that occur during this time. If these organs aren't getting enough nerve communication and power during pregnancy and labor due to nerve interference resulting from spinal misalignments called subluxations, then a bunch of problems may arise. So let's look at some of these. Okay. Uh, Nausea and morning sickness are pretty common during pregnancy. It doesn't just happen in the morning because it it can occur at any time of the day, even though it's called morning sickness. It doesn't just occur during the first trimester, but when it does, it's primarily due to a dramatic increase during that time in the hormones estrogen, progesterone, and human chorionic gonadotrophin also known as HCG. And these are made by the female reproductive glands as well as the placenta, and these all happen to be innervated by the third lumbar nerve. They're also affected by the position of the sacrum and tailbone called the coccyx. So these all need to be checked for subluxations and adjusted if needed. Uh, Now, if nausea persists past the first trimester, then it's due to more than just hormones alone and likely has to do more with the stomach. So the middle back area, specifically the fifth and sixth thoracic vertebrae, which control the stomach, also need to be checked and treated if found to be involved. Now, a similar condition to this is heartburn, which is most often due to the stomach malfunctioning. So again, checking the fifth and sixth thoracic vertebrae is the correct action for this. In addition, heartburn could be caused by a condition called a pseudo-hiatal hernia, 
where the position of the fetus is putting pressure on the diaphragm. So in addition to adjusting the fifth and or sixth thoracic vertebrae, the standard hiatal hernia soft tissue manipulation procedure is excellent for this too. Okay. Now also, heartburn can have a hormonal cause due to the fact that an increase in progesterone relaxes the valve between the esophagus and the stomach. Plus, an increase in estrogen decreases the churning activity of the stomach. So again, checking and adjusting the third and fourth uh, lumbar segments can help this too. Okay. Now, constipation is another common complaint during pregnancy, and it too can be due to hormonal changes since they slow down digestion. It can also be due to the physical crowding in the abdomen. So again, the third and fourth lumbars need to be looked at, as well as the first and second lumbars, which control the intestines. Uh, also, taking iron as part of prenatal vitamins and minerals can also lead to constipation. So that should be looked at, and if necessary, uh, a lower dose can be recommended and taken. Plus, a creative way to get more iron is not only to eat more green leafy vegetables like raw spinach and kale, but you can cook everything in a cast iron skillet to get more iron. Oh. Yeah. Now, uh, swollen legs, ankles, and feet is also common during pregnancy, and it too can result from hormone changes since increased estrogen also causes an increase in blood volume, a decrease in peripheral blood vessel resistance, and an increase in sodium retention. So this results in fluid that easily escapes the blood vessels and ends up being retained by the tissue of the legs and feet. So in addition to avoiding excessive salt intake and elevating the feet as often as possible, checking and adjusting lumbars three and four again, as well as the segments responsible for the kidneys, which are thoracic 10 through 12, can also be helpful. Wow. Yeah. Another very common condition that occurs during pregnancy is hemorrhoids. Uh, these can result from constipation as well as the fact that during pregnancy, changes in the women's anatomy cause compression of the lower bowel. In addition to supplementing with witch hazel, the homeopathic paonia, and colonsonia root from standard process, plus taking uh, sitz baths with witch hazel, checking and adjusting the sacrum and coccyx are excellent for helping and potentially eliminating hemorrhoids. And of course, that pressure point that you talked about in a previous podcast on the top of the head Correct. is also very good too. Yeah. Now, while we're still on the subject of the lumbar spine, I wanted to cover another condition that can occur in pregnancy that's related to the third lumbar nerve. But in this case, it doesn't occur at the spine, but rather in the groin where a branch of the nerve called the lateral femoral cutaneous nerve can get compressed when it passes beneath the inguinal ligament, resulting in pain and tingling in the outer part of the upper thigh. This is called moralgia parasthetica, and it's often confused with sciatica. But it's easy to distinguish because it stops above the knee, whereas sciatica causes similar symptoms down the back of the leg all the way to the foot. Okay. So I'll go into a little more detail about this condition in just a little bit. All right. Now let's look at a few things related to the neck or cervical spine that can occur during pregnancy. Okay. Yeah, there's actually quite a few types of headaches that can occur during pregnancy. The most common type of headache is called a tension headache, and it can be due to tight muscles, especially the upper trapezius. 
which attaches across the top of the shoulders all the way up to the back of the head. So all of the neck or cervical vertebrae need to be checked and treated accordingly, as well as the first rib, which is located at the top of the shoulders. Now, sinus headaches can also occur, and these are associated with the second cervical vertebra. And another interesting thing that occurs in the neck during pregnancy is a loss of the normal neck cervical curve as a compensation for the increase in the lumbar spine curve. Ah. Yeah, and this can also result in headaches. And the key vertebra to look at is the one in the middle of the curve, cervical number five. And then the other dreaded headache that can occur is the migraine. Now, some women have pre-existing migraines and luckily have fewer during pregnancy, but others have the same number and sometimes even more. Uh, not only can these be related to subluxations in the upper neck, cervical vertebrae, but also hormonal changes. So again, checking lumbars three and four, as well as the sacrum and coccyx is very important for this. You know, we did an entire podcast on headaches, uh, number 20. Mm hmm as well as another pregnancy-related condition, carpal tunnel syndrome, which you can learn more about in episode number 10. Carpal tunnel syndrome during pregnancy can not only be due to water retention in the hands and wrists, but also subluxations in the lower neck cervical vertebrae. So in addition to receiving neck adjustments, a pregnant woman can eat foods rich in vitamin B6 or safely take B6 at 50 milligrams two to three times a day to help it out. Okay. Uh, so now that I've covered the spine and uh, pregnancy-related conditions in detail, uh, I just wanted to summarize how pelvic misalignments affect pregnancy and delivery. Right, because they think that would be something significant, especially with the relaxin causing things to be looser and not as stable as usual. You got that right. So really, the bottom line is that any pelvic misalignment alters the pelvic opening, and a significantly distorted opening can and does alter the course of labor and delivery. So chiropractic adjustments can realign the pelvis to improve and optimize the pelvic opening, which increases the odds of a successful and smoother delivery. So that would be important to do in the third trimester, and then especially right before delivery. So if someone's starting to have you know, they're, they're facing and they're dilated and things like that. It wouldn't be a bad idea to even get like just a, an activator adjustment to make sure the pelvis is aligned properly to make the delivery go as smoothly as possible. So now let's move on to something else. There's a muscle that is in the area of the pelvis that can affect its positioning and alignment that can affect people at any point in time, but it might even be more significant for a pregnant woman. That's the psoas muscle. So why is it important to handle any psoas muscle spasm when you're dealing with a pregnant woman? Well, this is very important because a tight psoas muscle can create several problems during pregnancy. Now, before I get into these, for those of you who don't know what and where the psoas is, it's a deep core muscle located behind the abdominal muscles. It attaches to the last of the mid-back vertebrae and discs, as well as all of the low back or lumbar vertebrae and discs. And then it ends at the front of the hip, specifically at the front of the upper part of the thigh bone called the femur. Its purpose is not only to stabilize the back and hips, but also to flex or lift your thigh when you're walking, running, or especially going upstairs. 
in addition, it's located behind the internal organs of the abdomen, so it acts like a shelf for them. So when the psoas is tight, it can create the following problems during pregnancy. Uh, it can affect the space in the abdomen by reducing it. It can also reduce the range of motion in the spine, pelvis, and legs, which can limit a woman's ability during pregnancy to get into beneficial positions. And three, a tight psoas can also decrease blood and nerve flow to the uterus and other organs, which can result in more problems with pain and function during pregnancy. Well, not only that, but the blood flow to the uterus and the umbilical cord affect the health and development of the baby. Absolutely. Okay. Well, that's an important thing that probably a lot of people don't consider, but I know that you check that out with your patients. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing that's important. What are some other factors that can affect or cause spinal or pelvic misalignments during pregnancy? Well, of course, ligament laxity, you know, again, because of that hormone relaxing, mm -hmm. um, in, especially in the back and pelvis, is a major factor contributing to spinal and pelvic joint instability and misalignments. You see, when ligaments have been weakened, stretched, or torn, then muscles need to pick up the slack as far as stabilizing the joints. And we've already looked at the psoas muscle, which we learned is very important during pregnancy. Another muscle of relevance is the piriformis. Uh, a tight or weak piriformis muscle can do a number of nasty things. Uh, the piriformis attaches to the sides of the sacrum bone, which is a triangular bone that the spine sits on and is part of the central joints of the pelvis, the SI joints. So a weak or tight piriformis can affect the stability of this joint, making it easier to misalign. Now, kind of give people an idea of the positioning of the piriformis, because you mentioned it attaches to the, in the sacroiliac area. But as far, isn't it kind of in the upper area of the behind? Well, what it is, is you've got your spine and on the spine sits the sacrum. The sacrum, mm -hmm. if you look at it, it's like an upside down triangle. So the base of it is on the top and then it comes to a point at the bottom. And the mm -hmm. point actually becomes the tailbone or coccyx. Right. So the sides, which is the you know, you got your base and then the two sides that come to a point, that's where the piriformis starts on those sides. Correct. And then it wraps around there. It's actually a very deep muscle, deep to your gluteal muscles. Mm -hmm. And then it attaches to your hip. Right. So like I was saying, if you look at somebody's behind the upper, probably third of it or so very deep in there underneath the gluteal muscles is where the piriformis muscle is. Yes. Okay. So a tight or weak piriformis can also lead to what's called pseudosciatica, also known as piriformis syndrome, which can result in irritation of the sciatic nerve causing pain and numbness from the buttock all the way down to the foot. And since the piriformis also attaches to the thigh bone at the hip, just like the psoas, it along with the psoas may be involved with abnormal hip rotation, which is often associated with the condition I mentioned earlier, moralgia parasthetica. Mm-hmm. And speaking of moralgia parasthetica, wearing tight clothing tends to aggravate or even cause this. So it's recommended that pregnant women forego wearing things like tight belts and waistbands to relieve the symptoms of this condition or to prevent it. Now, the joint where the pubic bones meet is another area that can contribute to pelvic misalignments. It's actually considered part of the front of the pelvis. 
And during pregnancy, not only does it become stressed and oftentimes painful due to the weight of the protruding abdomen, but also its normal gap is four to five millimeters. But during pregnancy, the ligaments that surround and insert into the joint relax a bit, allowing it to increase an additional two to three millimeters. Now, sometimes this gap can increase even more. So anything over 10 millimeters or one centimeter total is considered excessive and abnormal. And this can result in severe pubic bone pain. And you'll most often, what you'll most often see is an inability to raise one leg at a time while trying to climb stairs or march in place without excruciating pain. Uh, an even more severe condition related to this is the pubic bone completely separating due to a ligament tear that is normally felt and sometimes heard. And this results in instability, intensive pain, swelling, and inflammation. So the way to tell the difference between this and the lesser condition I just described is that the mother-to-be will be unable to move her back, trunk, hips, and legs without causing severe pain. And when lying on her back, her legs may involuntarily move apart and she won't be able to close them back together because of the ligament tear. Mm -hmm. So again, you know, this is a ligament tear, but it is actually classified as a fracture, even though no bones are broken. Wow. Yeah. It can easily be recognized on an x-ray, but x-rays cannot be taken in this area during pregnancy. So it needs to be properly diagnosed based on the specific restrictions that I just described. And do you know what is done for something like that? Because I'm almost thinking you'd have to do some type of surgical intervention or? Not while they are still pregnant. So basically, either one of these conditions uh, can be treated with chiropractic adjustments to the pubic bone using an activator instrument, along with ice applied externally to the affected area to bring the swelling down. Is there anything stabilizing that they can wear? Like, a, I think they call it a trochanter belt. It yes. kind of holds things in position, but wouldn't stress the areas that you were talking about before. That's absolutely correct. Okay. As long as it's below the waist. Okay, good. All right. So that goes over some of the things that'll affect and cause spinal and pelvic misalignments. Now, what can women do, especially during the third trimester to try and prevent these as much as possible? All right. Well, let's start with proper lifting. Now, actually, this applies to everyone, not just someone who's pregnant. So the correct way to pick up a person or an object is to not bend at the waist, but rather squat down on both legs or on one leg with the other resting on the ground. Uh, also, keep your back straight and then lift up using your legs only. Remember to never, ever lift with your back, even if you're in good shape, because over time, if you continue to do that, you run the risk of injuring a disc in your back. Mm -hmm. Uh, a nice trick is that if you have to pick up a toddler or a young child, then get them to climb up on a stool or chair so that you don't have to bend over and pick them up off the floor. Good point. Yeah. So now let's look at exercise. Okay. Uh, exercise during pregnancy has countless benefits in addition to potentially helping prevent spinal and pelvic misalignments. Uh, it helps a woman feel better, not only physically, but also emotionally since it relieves stress. Mm-hmm. Uh, burning calories during exercise can prevent excessive weight gain, and regular exercise can produce stronger muscles, bones, and joints. Uh, it builds stamina that's needed for labor and delivery. It can also help prevent gestational diabetes, which we covered in episode number 44. And it's also been found to combat 
postpartum baby blues, which we looked at in episode number 64, covering pregnancy nutrition. And believe it or not, it requires the same amount of energy during labor and delivery as it does to run a marathon. So it's very important that a woman trains for it and builds her stamina up. As far as amount and frequency of exercises is concerned, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists recommend that pregnant women can and should exercise moderately for at least 30 minutes daily, at least four days, and if possible, every day of the week, unless there are medical reasons to avoid doing so. So recommended exercises include brisk walking for 30 minutes or more for getting moderate aerobic exercise benefits, hiking, dancing, aerobics and yoga classes that are specifically designed for pregnant women, and swimming, which is especially good for pregnant women because the water supports the weight of her body and growing fetus and provides resistance that helps increase her heart rate. So exercises to avoid include anything that puts a woman at risk for injury, including horseback riding and downhill skiing. Also sports where the mother-to-be could get hit in the abdomen, such as ice or field hockey, kickboxing or karate, and soccer. In addition, especially after the third month and the start of the second trimester, a woman should avoid exercises that require her to lie flat on her back or that require twisting. And finally, never ever go scuba diving because it can result in dangerous gas bubbles that can end up in the baby's circulatory system. Now, it's also important to build up her fitness gradually. And red flags that must be taken seriously because if any of these occur, it means that she needs to stop exercising immediately and then check with her doula, midwife, or obstetrician. And these include vaginal bleeding, dizziness, headaches, chest pain, decreased fetal movement, and contractions. Okay. Well, there's a lot of good information there that women probably wouldn't be naturally aware of, so they should definitely listen to this. I think this would be a great episode to recommend to your patients after they become pregnant, along with the nutritional one, so that they're aware of what they should and shouldn't be doing. Now, what recommendations do you have in regards to sleeping positions during the third trimester so that the woman isn't putting the least amount of strain on their spine and pelvis? Well, the best sleeping position during all phases of pregnancy is known as SOS or sleeping on side. Mm. And if you had to choose between the left and right side, the left side is better because sleeping on that side will increase the amount of blood and nutrients that reach the placenta and the baby. It's also important to keep your knees and legs bent in a fetal position and to put a pillow between your knees, which puts you in the most relaxed position. Now, if you try to sleep in this position and you experience back pain, then also placing a pillow under your abdomen can help with that. Uh, if you're experiencing heartburn or acid reflux during the night, then stay on your left side, but prop up your head and upper body with pillows. Uh, these symptoms could be due to, again, pseudohiatal hernia, which can occur during pregnancy. Again, we touched on this earlier, and it's where the stomach gets pushed up into the chest cavity because of the baby pushing up against the diaphragm muscle. So elevating the upper half of your body helps gravity work for you because acid won't as easily go upward against the force of gravity when you're in that position. 
Uh, sleeping on your stomach is never good and is especially a no-no during pregnancy for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, sleeping on the back is okay during the first trimester. But after that, it can actually cause problems with breathing, the digestive system, hemorrhoids, low blood pressure, reduce circulation to your heart and the fetus, and even backaches, especially if you don't put pillows underneath the knees. Uh, The reason for these complaints is that the weight of the growing baby in the abdomen crushes down on the intestines and the major blood vessels in that area, including the aorta and the vena cavas. Wow. All right. So that's very important to know too. So we've gone over in the other episode, nutrition in this episode, chiropractic treatment and how to lift properly things that women can do to make sure they don't aggravate their spine or their pelvis, sleeping positions, all the various different factors like that. Now, do you have any experiences from the years of practice with pregnant women and adjusting them that you can share so that people can get an idea of what kind of an effects this does have. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I want to start out by saying that my private practice in Fort Myers was right down the street from a birthing center. So not only did I work with many of the expecting mothers during their pregnancy and up until their delivery day, but also a large percentage of them allowed me to check out their newborns within one to two days of their birth. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes they would even stop by my office with their new baby before they even went home. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I've had mothers, you know, some mothers to be with breech presentations and have had very good success helping them get the baby to turn. Uh, This works about 90% of the time, and that is a combination of chiropractic adjustments and moxibustion. Mm -hmm. So moxibustion is a traditional Chinese medicine technique of using an herb called moxa, which is rolled up in paper as a long round stick that you burn like a cigar. For a breech presentation, you simply put the hot end of the moxa stick near the outer toenail of each small toe. That's an acupuncture point called bladder 67, and stimulating with moxa has been found to be highly successful in reversing breech presentations. Wow. Now, don't ask me why this works. I don't think anyone knows why, but it just does, and some studies show that it could be over 90% effective. Wow. That's great. Yeah. Now, I've also had quite a few pregnant patients come in for natural labor induction. Uh, here's one of many examples. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and read her success story. Okay. So she said, um, I just wanted to take a moment to thank you for all the help and pain relief that you provided me during the last trimester of my pregnancy. When I came to your office in late May, I had a terrible limp and was really not enjoying being pregnant. I couldn't walk without people commenting, you're waddling. The adjustments and prescribed exercises turned everything around. Within a couple weeks, I was able to resume my gym schedule, go for three-mile walks, and just enjoying the anticipation and excitement of the arrival of my first baby. In addition, your services allowed me to avoid a medical induction of labor. I was scheduled for an induction on Tuesday, September 2nd. On Friday, August 29th, I received acupuncture from you. Dr. Ned, and my contractions began on Sunday, August 31st. Hmm. Unfortunately, my daughter was in no hurry to make her debut. She was born on Tuesday, September 2nd at 11.04 p.m. Yep, it was about 48 hours after the contractions began. Yikes. 
Yeah, well, she said here, the wonderful thing, though, was that once she made her descent, I only had to push about 10 times and she was out. I guess all the pelvic adjustments paid off, too. Once again, thank you for all of your services and assisting me in having a happy and healthy birth experience. That's great. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Now, before we end this topic, is there anything else you'd like to say? Yeah. Uh, also, in addition to th that success story, she came in for her second uh, baby and we had a similar happy experience and it definitely didn't take 48 hours this time. <laughs> yeah. Usually the second one will be a lot faster. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. And so what I also wanted to add is that one of the most important exercises that a woman can do during her pregnancy is called focused pelvic tilts. Uh, this exercise works the pelvic floor muscles, which are very important during labor and delivery. They're the deepest of the core muscles, even deeper than the psoas, and so they need to be toned and working well during this time. Uh, our posture series videos includes a visual explanation of how to do this, and it's found in posture video number two, corrective exercises for forward hip tilt. And again, you can find this either by going to our website at nedcairo.com and clicking on the video button at the top of the homepage. And then when you arrive on the video page, just scroll down to the bottom and click on where it says view the full posture series. And you'll be directed to our YouTube channel page with our six different posture videos. Again, it's posture video number two. Okay. Or you can go to the extreme top of our website homepage and click on our YouTube icon just to the right of our Facebook icon. And when you get to our YouTube homepage, you just click on where it says playlists and then choose view full playlist under where it says back and neck corrective exercise posture series. And you'll find the video on that page again. Uh, this exercise itself is quick and simple. And there's a modification to it if you can't do it standing up. It's an alternative way to do it lying down, and we can leave a link to a YouTube video that someone else did that shows this nicely. Excellent. All right. Thank you very much, Steve. And like I said, this would be something you should have all of your pregnant patients listen to. Will do. Now, the next episode we're going to do is a somewhat of a follow-up and it has to do with the care and feeding of young bodies because when you have babies and you have infants and toddlers their nutritional needs are a lot different than adults are or even teenagers are because there's a lot of growth that occurs and development that occurs in those first few years so we're going to discuss things like formula and uh, children's nutrition because a lot of parents just go out and get the, I'm not going to say the brand, but the little jars of food that are whipped up that have tons of sugar in them, and they don't realize that it's not actually doing a lot of good for their children. So we're going to get into that next week, and we'll look forward to having you back again, Steve. Sounds great. And I just wanted to add one more thing, and that is part of the research that I uh, looked at during this week was a couple of board-certified online courses that I took on chiropractic and pregnancy, which gave me credit hours towards my license. And they were put together by a fellow chiropractor, Dr. Karen Gardner Bagnell. So I just want to acknowledge her for this great information. Excellent. All right. See you next week. Mm -hmm. Thanks for joining us this week on the Body Chat Podcast. We both really appreciate your time and your attention. We want to provide you with interesting and informative episodes each week 
And if you have a topic you'd like us to cover or any questions you'd like us to answer, send an email to us at info at bodychatpodcast.com. That's info at bodychatpodcast.com. To make sure you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes, subscribe to the Body Chat Podcast now on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify. See you next week. Music